This episode of No Quarter is sponsored by the Underground Retrocade. You love these games, and the way you want to play them is on the original cabinets. You want to see the side art, you want to feel the controls, and you want to hear the bangles on the stereo. So, next time you're in the Chicago area and you're looking for that retro experience, you should walk like an Egyptian, or maybe just drive like a normal person, over to the Underground Retrocade, 121 West Main Street, West Dundee, Illinois. He's Mike McGinnis. And he's Carrington Vanston. <laughs> And this is No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast, where I try to throw my co-host a curve, but you picked up on it. Now, if you had called me Rob Ford or something like that, then maybe, oh, maybe I would have That's been. just mean, dude. That's just low. <laughs> uh, sorry, it's an easy shot. Low-hanging it fruit. It is. Oh, he is such a low-hanging fruit. <laughs> but we have better things to talk about today. Oh, everything is better to talk about well, than our mayor. True, yeah. Grumble, yeah. grumble, grumble. Yes, we've got we've got feedback, and we have an awesome game to finish up. No vector. Vectrimber. I think that's what we're calling Ve- the month. Vectrimber. Vector, something. Yes. Vector Games Month. But first, feedback. We have feedback. Uh, little things. Dan Dan Boris on Facebook. He corrected. I think me, maybe us, but I think mostly me. In fact, I think most of our feedback is, in fact, all of our feedback looks like it's correcting me. <sighs> okay, so I Dan like Boris wrote in to correct me to say, you mentioned in this episode about the earlier Cinematronics Vector game not using a CPU. They actually did have a CPU, but instead of using an off-the-shelf microprocessor, they designed their own CPU that was implemented in all discrete logic instead of having to build it into a custom chip. And you know, that's actually what I meant. I think I was just explaining it poorly when i said they had no no cpu it was just that it wasn't really microprocessor based the way most games are isn't that old feedback like really old? because then we went on to talk about the ccpu and so don't actually listen when you speak so you probably read it last time oh i see all right well and he's correcting you so i'm actually pretty happy about that and if you just want to like keep reading it over and over every month i'm good with that Maybe just a whole bunch of people wrote in to say the same thing. <laughs> Next was Jill, who says, you mentioned in the episode the cinematronics not using a CPU. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> Chris Hafter, he wrote in, I think this might be new, saying he's got good news for Seattle area no quarter fans. And then he wonders, are they called NQ heads? No quarterarians? No quarterites? Uh, those opposed to quarters? <laughs> I like the last one. I do too. Yeah, <laughs> and he no, says, no, no quartarians. Um, he says, after months of delay caused by official red tape, the 8-bit barcade finally opened last weekend. Oh, nice. And it's awesome. Uh, I like things that are awesome. It has something like 40 arcade machines and 20 pinball machines. So I'm going to say yay and boo to those. <laughs> and uh, lots of standards, both full cabinets, cocktails, and one cabaret, and a few extremely cool old mechanical games. That's very exciting. It's all ages until eight or nine or so, and also has food and ice cream available besides alcohol. This place sounds awesome. Anyway, he goes on to say, I'm not affiliated with it other than providing lots of quarter-based funding on opening night, but it's worth checking out if you're in the area. And I'll make sure that we have a, 
Well, I was going to have a link to the website, but it seems like this is yet another one of those businesses that says the web, the web is nothing for me. We have a Facebook page and that's all we need. I find that really strange. Like, I guess I'm old school enough that to me, that's like, I'm going to have a page on AOL and nothing else. I don't understand this, but it's the 8-Bit Bar. We'll have a link to its Facebook page and it's located at 916 Third Street South in Renton, Washington. Sounds like a really cool place. And Chris also posted a bunch of cool photos of it that make it look pretty awesome. I want to go. I want to go. I want to go right now. So you finish up the rest of the show. Well, okay, you go do that. I'm going to read this piece of news. It's arcade news in Denver Ooh. that isn't directly related to the one-up, which is sort of odd these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, I'm sure they're probably involved somehow. I'm sorry, folks. This is a bit of Kickstarter news, but the Kickstarter is over, so you don't have to listen to that part of it anyway. It was announced that next summer from June 7th to July 26th of 2014, Uh, An area in downtown Denver known as the Champa Street and the 16th Street Mall will be transformed into an immersive street arcade. The arcade will be powered through a combination of the Denver Theater District's LED screens, project street art, social media, local media, and a website. Basically, they're going to turn several blocks of downtown Denver into a massive arcade. That is pretty cool. I am looking forward to that, but that's not until next next summer. So you have plenty of time to plan your trips out here, and you can hang with one half of No Quarter and <laughs> the, the the half that has the best city. Then you get all the <laughs> coolest arcade stuff, and we get Mayor McCrackhead. We got nothing. It's I'm really oh, disappointed. I don't know. He's pretty amusing. I mean, we don't even know <laughs> that much for everyone else. Well, we usually ignore Canada down here in the United States, if I'm going to be honest. And and he's all over the news. I mean, there are people here who even know where Toronto is now. It's crazy. Oh, so disappointing. And we kind of liked you not knowing where we were. Know, You're a dangerous yeah. country to, to, to have in uh, your eye on <laughs> us. Right. It's like the eye of Sauron, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, that's going to happen next summer, and currently it's set to be a, a free event. I don't know if parts of it are going to be charged or not. I'm really looking forward to that. The only other bit of feedback I think worth mentioning is one more correction for me. On Facebook, Randall had written in, because last week when I was reading something about last week's game, what was last week's tax scan? I said they spelled spiraling wrong. I was reading the flyer. It said they spelled spiraling wrong. And he wrote, Carrington, spiraling can be spelled either way, I guess with one or two L's. And to that, I will respond to say, Randall could also be spelled either way. <laughs> but I say there's one correct way for both these words. So there, Randall. Uh, I think he's actually right, though. Spiraling is one of those double words. I just have my preferred way, the preferred number of L's. But other than that, it's low feedback week because your entire country has decided to just eat turkey and take naps and watch football. We had our Thanksgiving here in Canada quite some time ago, so we've already got through our turkey. So that's all our feedback, and I'm quite excited that it's over because now we get to talk about a game that I have adored playing this week. This game is awesome. This is our last, our final Vector game of the month. That doesn't mean that we will not be playing Vector games again. Despite what you've been lobbying for, Carrington, behind the scenes. <laughs> yes, all, all vector all the time. <laughs> right, yes. This will wrap it up for a little while. Uh, and this week's game is Black Widow from Atari, released in 1982. Today's grand prize on Starcade is the video arcade game Black Widow. The spider's the thing in this game of bugs. The Black Widow pursues them all, blitzing them out of her web. It's the Black Widow furnished by Atari. And now back to Starcade with Jeff Edwards. Okay. It's a vector game, another color vector game. This time it uses two joysticks, which is a, a different sort of approach than the games we've been playing recently. The word I would use to describe this game in one word would be intense. This is a crazily intense game. The odd thing is, and I, I'm probably going to regret saying this, Black Widow is basically a vector version of... What was that game that we hated so much? I blanked it out of my memory. 
well, mostly you hated, and I kind of hated too, it was Bubbles. Oh, yes. This is a vector version of Bubbles, and instead of being a little smiley bubble that moves around on a playfield, you are a black widow spider that moves around on her web and kills incoming bugs. You do so by moving one joystick, the left joystick moves her around the web, the right joystick chooses the direction that she fires, there are no buttons at all. And as you hit these smaller bugs, they turn into, weirdly, they turn into little bags of money. I know, it's so weird. And if you don't pick up the bags of money in time, then they become another, they become an egg to become a larger, more deadly insect. Now, you do have some time as the egg is growing before it hatches to push it off the edge of the web, just like you push things down the drain in bubbles. But if you don't do it in time, then the egg will become too large and it won't move and it'll eventually become a grenade bug. There's a couple of other really large, dangerous bugs. And so you really don't want that to happen if you can avoid it. And you move on to the next level by by clearing off all the insects. Then it starts over with more bugs that move at you faster and it becomes crazy frenetic, like you said. Because it's a two-joystick game, you can't play this on really on the iCade or I think you can play it on the keyboard, but it's really a pain because of the key mappings and stuff. You really want to play this with the sticks if you can. I had my X-Arcade on the desk. Now, the X-Arcade, for those of you who have not used it before, is big, it's heavy, it's kind of hard to move around. This thing was sliding and banging around my desk and, and knocking things off because I was white-knuckling it the whole time. It's it's insane how this game gets your adrenaline flowing. It's just nuts. I, I, don't, I don't understand. But it's a wonderful game, and I love it. The gameplay kind of reminded me of Robotron. It's kind of like a vector Robotron, mm, yeah. but with bugs, because of the control. And I did try to play it on keyboard, and I would advise people to not play it on keyboard, because it's, like, impossible to do in keyboard. So it really is a game that requires the two joysticks to play. It's frantic. It's phonetic. I love... What is it? They're called grenade bugs. The ones that you, when you blow them up, they make big circles and they can blow up other ones. And it like takes out the whole field. And you have to find like a place to hide before you blow them up. And it's so frantic. And you're right. I, lo- I love the little hatchings. So you're seeing the egg and you try to kill bugs. And you're like, oh, that egg's hatching. I got to shove it off the uh, side of the web. Also, it's a color XY monitor. Sometimes the web will have these bright green lines or bright red lines. I never really figured out what the green lines were for, but the red lines are one-way walls. So you can move, you can pass them in one direction, but you can't pass them in the other. Basically, you can't back out of them towards the edge of the edge of the web. And so those become like a little almost a mini maze blocking you in and and the the structure of that changes from level to level. And as you get more and more of those, it becomes a bit of a pain because you want to push an egg out, and you can't because the walls in your way or you're trying to run away from a bug or those exploding things and it all adds to the frantic nature of the game, which is super fun. Love the colors. Love the little vector graphics because I have a sweet spot for vectors anyway. I like the sound of the game, all the shooting. There's, I think, nothing about this game I didn't love. I really, really enjoy playing that this week. I, I absolutely agree with you. And in fact, I was so concerned about it that I went back and played more Bubbles right. uh, to try and figure out what it was that I didn't like about Bubbles that I did like about this. And I think a lot of it really has to do with the controls. I uh, if you remember, Bubbles had sort of a slick feeling to it. so mm-hmm, Which I did not like. When you moved, you had sort of this momentum that the bubble would kind of continue moving and you had to adjust. And kind of, I get that what they were going for there was the feeling of a slick, soapy bubble sort of sliding and slipping around the sink. But it slowed things down and made it a lot more frustrating and difficult. And really, I think that was kind of the big complaint looking back now that I have about Bubbles. That and the, the silly little cleaning lady that lived in the drain. <laughs> the little tiny one, right? But when you think about it, that's really not that different than bugs turning into 
dollar bags on a spider web. So <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I'll grant you that one. Yeah. So my initial instinct was to say, well, Black Widow is a tighter game because everything sort of fits the spider theme, but Bubbles fits the sink theme too. It's just, I, I guess my big complaint is the, not that I'm trying to make this another Bubbles episode, but really it was the control is, is the difference here because just having those two sticks and trying to move your spider around as you're aiming in different directions and bugs are all coming at you, but you need to move away from the big ones in case they explode and take you out. For me, it was just an adrenaline rush the entire game. I had a great time with it. And and at the end of the day, whether or not you enjoy a game, I guess, is very much uh, subjective. And the reality is, I for whatever the reason was, I didn't really enjoy playing Bubbles. And this game hooked me immediately. Now, I know a lot of people don't like vector games. They don't like the look of the stick figures and lines. They want the nice rasters and, and the various graphics and sprite-based games. And some people wouldn't like a two-stick game or the control. Some people really would prefer like a puzzle game or something as crazy, frantic as this game. So it really comes down to personal preference. But for me, this game was from first play, I adored it. Well, it's crazy frantic, even an old guy like me could, you know, play it and follow everything that's going because the sound is really good. So as you're shooting and it's nice frantic shooting and you can kind of keep track of what's what. I like the variety, both the variety of the different bugs and the variety of how the, the web play field changes because of those red lines. And also that you get those um, little bonus levels. They're almost like Galaga levels where suddenly a, a line of bugs will come in in a formation and you have to, if you can shoot all those bugs, then you get a bonus. I liked that mechanic. Another thing we haven't mentioned is at the beginning of Black Widow, you can pick what level you want to start on. So if you get good at it, I guess, or you want to see a more difficult level, or you just want to jump into something, you can choose to start not just on the first level, but anything up to level 21, I think, by default with the dip switches. Uh, it gives you a bonus score for doing that as well. You know, once you get good at this, or if this was a game you owned, you could always jump right to the, the more frantic levels to, I guess, to learn to master it. I was sticking with the starting at level one because I'm far from mastering this thing. <laughs> I like that the basic web that the spider crawls on doesn't change. They differentiate the levels by adding those one-way walls and things like that. And I was playing TaxScan again this week uh, some more because I enjoyed it. And mm -hmm. what I found was that the better I got at TaxScan, the less interested I was because it was easier to move through the same repeating levels. And they didn't change. They just got harder. And I found myself getting kind of bored the better I got. Whereas with Black Widow, there's enough variations in, in the web and, and the bugs that are coming in. And you really don't have anywhere to hide. There's no safe zone. These things come at you from all directions. And it's a constant, really quick movement towards you. Let's get that spider. Mm -hmm. And if they're not coming at you, they're hatching so that they can come at you. I may end up getting bored with this game way down the, the road a bit. But right now, this is one I think I could keep playing over and over and really enjoy it. And in fact, as as we move out of the Vectrember, no Vector, whatever this <laughs> month is, I'm gonna. This is one I'll be coming back to. I added it to my favorites in Mame, and I'm positive I will keep coming back to it. This game is a, a, a serious treat. Just love it. You know, another part of the the game mechanic that we haven't mentioned yet is there's this big bug that comes on screen and eats other bugs and you can basically walk through him. He can't kill you. You can't kill him. And it's almost like it's a, a competitive player because it's going to take away the bugs. And so the nice thing is when it targets a bug, like it looks at it and decides it's going to go for it, the bug that it's targeted starts to flash. So it gives you a heads up. So you can maybe try to get to it first, but it's almost like for parts of the game, you're playing against a competing other player who's got a slightly different game mechanic. So I really like that as well. There's lots of those little touches in this game uh, that make it very polished. I think that the developers did a great job. Um, 
Um, speaking of the developers, this game was designed by Bruce Merritt at Atari. I'm looking at a piece of trivia here that I saw this in a couple of places, that the game was released in 1982, but then I see somewhere else it says it was actually re- not released until... that it was actually not released until 1983. I don't know if it was planned and they just pushed it off until a little bit later for after Christmas or something, but there is that. The game itself, of course, features the the color XY vector monitor, features an M6502 at 1.512 megahertz for the main CPU, two pokey sound chips, both also at 1.512 megahertz, two eight-way joysticks, and it's a two-player alternating game. And Carrington, tell me about the cabinet. It's basically Gravatar, because, um, well, this does seem to have been sold as a a dedicated machine. The vast majority of them were sold as conversion kits for Gravatar. Gravatar, which I adore, adore, adore. We talked about it in a very early episode, and then I went and picked one up. It's one of the two stand-up arcade games that I own, and it's right behind me now, and I adore it, and it's crazily crazily difficult and i think partly because of that people were like what is this impossible game that just took by quarter forget it gravatar was an unmitigated financial disaster just flopped and out there and so atari kind of rushed out a replacement saying hey remember that really expensive gravatar machine you bought from us that's doing you no good why don't you spend another thousand dollars and turn it into a game that other people will play for the most part the cabinet here it's the same shape as gravatar it's got that control panel that juts out almost like a shelf and then the marquee is also kind of on a on an angled peak almost like a little awning shape that sticks over you but if you see it in silhouette this essentially is a, a gravatar cabinet what differentiates, of course, is the control panel on Gravatar, which he says looking over his shoulder, is just buttons. So you have buttons for rotating and then but- three buttons for fire, thrust, and the-, the shield tractor beam. Here, of course, you're dealing with two joysticks. So most of these games came out as kits. And the kit, which retailed for uh, nine ninety five, dollars uh, so basically $1,000, came with the two joysticks, ROM chips, that you could replace the ROMs on the Gravatar board with new ROMs, some wires, new side art. And the nice thing is the side art, like Gravatar, it's big full side side art. So it's really a nice looking cabinet. And then it came with a a new control panel overlay that just snapped in place and had the the openings for the buttons. And in fact, the new control panel actually just plugs into the same wiring harness that was on Gravatar. So it's very easy to convert a Gravatar system over to a Black Widow. The cabinets are very rare and hard to come by, and it's not for the same reason as last week. Last week, we were talking about how, and it's generally the case that vector machines are relatively unreliable and kind of notoriously unreliable. But here, the problem was always the Wells Gardner 6100, which is the color XY monitor. But what would normally fail on that would be the low voltage deflection board and little particular bits of it. And now that I've been reading about these more, there's replacements for those. It looks like, I think a fellow named Mark Spaeth, S-P-A-E-T-H. He was the first one to design the retrofit or he kind of refined it. I'm not really sure if I'm pronouncing Spaeth right. It makes it sound like Spaeth man. So there's something called an LV2000 And that's currently made by a fellow named Jeff Hendricks. And also there's kits that you can assemble yourself. So it's relatively easy to swap the parts of the monitor that go bad. So you can replace the deflection board and sometimes either the full neck board or the the high voltage board. But if you do that, you end up with the remaining bits are very, very much rock solid. And you get a machine that can last, you know, it's just not going to go bad anymore. So it's kind of too bad that those didn't seem to get developed 
developed until the year 2000. <laughs> so it was long after most of these got, <laughs> got junked. Uh, just like Gravatar, it's relatively expensive and relatively rare to find these. Not crazily so, but you're generally not going to pick one up for just a couple hundred dollars. Online, for the most part, they seem to go for between 500 to 1,000. So it's a relatively pricey machine. But it's that nice Atari cabinet with the two wheels at the back and the nice handle kind of. Atari was good about making cabinets that you could actually move around. And, and so there's lots of nice little details. And I, and I love it. I love my Gravatar. And this is basically the same cabinet. So I love it too. There is a nice online site that shows a restoration of one of these. So I'll link to that. It's a Black Widow Extreme Restoration. <laughs> so it's a nice uh, a set of photos that will show you what a beautifully restored final cabinet looks like, but lots of inside photos and, and taking it from a junker cabinet to a full one. So if people are interested in what these cabinets look like inside and out, we'll have links over in the show notes for that. So Carrington. So Mike. Well, not that yet. We'll get to Okay. Because <laughs> you, you, listeners, if you can tell from my voice, I'm fairly certain I lost again this week. Mike and I haven't actually talked about it, but you'll notice a distinct lack of trash talking from me online this week. Uh, you'll notice that on both sides, though. I don't know okay. if I did that well, but I was actually just going to ask you if, if your Gravatar cabinet would soon be converted to Black Widow. Well, see, that's the thing. I, I, I definitely wouldn't convert it permanently because I adore Gravatar. I'm so happy with this. I really did choose a, a great machine for me because it's super challenging and it's fun to play. I'm never going to master this thing. I, I've yet to get off really what is essentially level one because <laughs> like, so, there's lots of different parts of level one, but I've yet to get through that reactor and get to a whole new. So I have, I have a long life of playing ahead of me with this now, we talked a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember what game we were talking about. I think it was when we were talking about Warrior. I brought that company, Vector Labs, over at vector-labs.com, and we linked to them. That's the company that has those boards that you can put in machines. And it was when Rob was on, on the episode with us, and we talked about how they've got like a board that will turn a Star Wars machine and give it a switch, so you can switch back and forth between Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back, but you're playing with real cabinets, so you're not doing anything that's permanently damaging the original hardware. They sell an upgrade called the Black Widow Multi-Game Kit, which lets a Black Widow also play Gravatar and Lunar Battle. And so I'm interested in that, and I think that would be, be nice to retrofit maybe. But since I have a Gravatar, I don't know if you can go the other way, because of course Gravatar just has those buttons. So what I'd have to do is essentially convert my Gravatar over to a Black Widow and then put in this kit, which would give me back Gravatar that I'd play on the Black Widow game so it's possible to do and the nice thing is if i did that like i'm, I'm actually going to keep my eye out for either the kit or the bits to assemble a kit because i think it would be fun to temporarily upgrade or side grade my gravatar over so i can play some other things but with the ability to put it back as an original gravatar the only thing is that i think it'd be kind of weird playing gravatar with the two joysticks instead of the buttons and i'm not really sure how how it worked that you could convert between these games so I'm not really sure how, how Gravatar gets controlled when you have two joysticks. I'm sure something works out. So I'm, I'm considering it, but it might be a, a bit of a difficult road for me to take. Well, if you take that road, let us know. No, I won't. Great. Uh, looks like a total of 1,550 of these Black Widow games were produced. All of them were conversions of other vector titles. Ah, okay. And it sold for $995. Yeah, so I guess that's the kit thing, and so I guess it never sold as a standalone one. It kind of makes sense, and it's funny, when we talked about Gravatar, I think Gravatar, they had built something like 5,000 or 6,000 cabinets, and they mm -hmm. sold, like, terribly. So probably, at this point, Atari wasn't going to knock out 5,000 of these conversion kits and, and hope they sold. So I'm not surprised that they only made a, a smaller number of them. All right, you've been putting this off long enough. <laughs> as have I. <laughs> 
Uh, how'd you do, Carrington? Well, I will say that in a relatively short time, I got a score on Black Widow that's better than most of my scores on Gravatar, uh-huh. but that's really more of a reflection of how bad a Gravatar player I am, <laughs> <laughs> even though I own it. So, so we're not having a very large score here, but the best I did this week, and I have no excuses for it being this low because I did actually play the heck out of this game because I got hooked immediately, but the very best game I had was a couple of days ago and I got 38,750. So all my games, I think, ended in zero. So I think this is something that you get points in uh, multiples of 10, but I wasn't really paying attention that much to the points. Oh, Carrington. Oh. <laughs> okay, Mike, hit me. What'd you do? I got 86,200 points. Oh, God. You destroyed me. I did okay. Now, did you start from level one? I started on level one, yes. <laughs> he said, hopefully, maybe you started on level <laughs> no, five. I didn't jump ahead, oh. no. I'm bad. I told you, man. I just, I love this game, but I just don't have the knack for it. I'm old. It's my, I'm, I'm an old, old man. I can't believe you're picking on an old guy like me. Oh, poor you. <laughs> A lot of it came from, from the Thunderbug, which is the, so I'm reading from the MAME file here. If the Thunderbug is shot, it breaks formation uh, and attacks. If it shoots again, it explodes and it explodes all of the Thunderbugs for 5,000 points. Right. That's that cool bug that sets off that chain reaction thing, but it almost always would kill me if oh, I would shoot it. See, and I, I, I got good at staying away from it, but if you, if you stay away from all of them, you get an additional 10,000 points on top of that. So those, <laughs> so that one bug would beat my score. Those add up really quickly. So I didn't uh, actually yes. get that far into the game. I just played some angles and got a few nice bonus rack ups there and was able to kick your butt. So I'm happy about that. Yeah. Well, okay. I, I give you the, the king <laughs> of, of the, the week this week. Definitely. You destroyed uh, me. Well, I didn't, didn't come near the official record holder for this game though. Uh, James Valant, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, scored himself a, a massive 930,100 points on May 1st, 1984. I can't even get my my head around some of the scores on various weeks when we talk about people's high score, because I think like I just sat here with a full week of essentially unlimited play at no cost. And and I get like a 50th of a high score. (laughs) It's crazy how good some people get at particular games. Like I just my hats off to them. I doff my cap at them. Yeah, that's definitely a different level of play there. Yeah, different different than my level. <laughs> <laughs> and mine too. Well, and the thing is, you know, we play these games for a week and then we move on. Who knows how long he played this before then. Of course, that was in 84, so that's a lot of quarters. You know, it's not like he's got MAME that he can just practice oh, on. Oh, that's the so. thing. He's, yeah, back then that means he was actually getting this good putting money into a machine. That's insane. And I wish I could say, well, I wasn't that good because... Back in high school, I was, like, dating instead. <laughs> no, I have no excuse for not spending all my time on, on playing Black Widow. I really had nothing else to do. <laughs> Black Widow was widely ported to other platforms, although, interestingly, the first ports don't show up until after 2000. Oh. The Sony PlayStation got it as part of their Atari Anniversary Edition, and there were several of those. Uh, the You know, there's the Atari Anthology, Atari Greatest Hits showed up on uh, on Windows of the CD-ROM 2003, and then again re-released in 2005 as part of the Atari 80 Classic Games in One. Uh, it showed up on several mobile phones in 2003 and 2005. The Nokia N-Gage got it. It's available now, actually, for the iPhone and Android platforms in the Apple Store and in Google Play Store as part of the Atari Greatest Hits collections. So it doesn't look like there were ever it was ever released as a single standalone game. It's just part of these these repackaged Greatest Hits anthologies. It's awesome though. And if you if you have an X Arcade or or an Ultra Stick, definitely recommend 
giving this game a, a shot. I don't think you'll have a good time play- at all playing this on, on the keyboard or any other controller setup. But the reality is, like, if you're going to have a main controller setup, even if you, for the most part, only ever play solo. Like me, when I'm playing on MAME, it's it's almost always just me. So the vast majority of games, I can get away with like the left side of a tank stick or something. But the reality is there's some real amazing marquee games that use two joysticks, like this and Robotron. So if you were going to put together a system, I would always strongly recommend having the two-player setup, essentially, so that you can enable single play of games like this, because this one is really worth it. Absolutely, yep. If you do choose to play this on the keyboard, your left hand controls the A, W, S, and D keys to move, and the arrow keys fire. So it is it is possible. But I, I, I well, I tried playing that way, but I just found my fingers were just saying no, no, just just walk to, <laughs> walk to your doom, Carrington. Go into the light. Go into the light. Not much fun to play that way. This is no. Or if you're Carrington, you can just convert your other cabinet to this game. Yes, but only if you're a Carrington. That's right. If you're not, then you're out of luck. Yeah. Uh, so this is a game that, that I would love to own as a real cabinet. If I ever get mm-hmm. the chance to buy one, I certainly will. And uh, my wife will kick me out shortly after <laughs> then. But I will have a great time until she does. Yeah, absolutely. Especially since you can get that kit that would let you have this and Gravatar and Lunar Battle all on that beautiful vector monitor. Uh, that's a pretty good deal. So what could we possibly follow up this week's amazing game with? What's 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 going to let down our, our listeners next week? Well, I'm... <laughs> Pretty sure it's not going to be a vector game, but not positive. Who knows? We are sneaky that way. We are. Let's see if you can guess. I guess beep. And you guessed incorrectly, Carrington, as as you usually do. <laughs> I thought I might. <laughs> what a shame. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening and uh, mm-hmm. Carrington for podcasting with me. Absolutely. It was a total thrill this week. What a fantastic game. I'm with you 100%, and I'm looking forward to playing next week. See you then. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent by email to noquarter at monsterfeet.com, or you can find us on Facebook as No Quarter Podcast, and on Twitter we are at No Quarter Show. All of those links plus the show notes are available at monsterfeet.com, and like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this episode has been released to the public domain. <laughs> <laughs>